Hi, I'm Lucy James, and I listen to the One Up Gaming podcast. Hi, I'm Keith Allen, and I play Murphy on Z Nation, and I listen to One Up Gaming podcast. One up gaming is behind me. Let me get in beast mode. If you wanna try me, you don't need a cheap code. Kante is who I be to you. It's Mr. Hero, legendary adversary. Flows considerably though. I'm a super saiyan. I got dragon balls. I wouldn't lie. You might think I'm playing when I'm saying I can really fly. When I'm on the track, you feel the energy I'm pushing. I put me on the map. One up gaming's who I'm talking about. I'm the rapping master chief. Epic to say the least. Contain the hero. Better etch that in your memory. And so the one up gaming for the show. I'll contain the hero is really gonna show up. Hi, it's just David here from One Up Gaming, and it's episode 207 of the One Up Gaming podcast. And today we've got a special guest. So, if you just want to introduce yourself and say what you do, please. Hey, this is uh, Christian Miller, um, also known as Silver Spook of Silver Spook Games. Um, yeah, so I'm a one-person indie developer of the game that's coming out right now, which is called Neo Feud. That's Coming to Steam on September 19th. It's already out um, on itch.io, but it's going to be releasing to Steam September 19th. And it's a point-and-click adventure game uh, with a kind of science-fictional, cyberpunk-themed adventure game. Uh, And it's, you know, kind of... Similar titles might be like... Maybe you haven't heard of Techno Babylon or Primordia, but older similar titles might be Beneath a Steel Sky... Any of the Sierra or LucasArts games of the '90s, so it's kind of a, uh, it's kind of like a throwback to those kind of games. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of who I am, in a nutshell. Yeah, I mean, looking at the trailers and things, I got like a, a bit of a, a Blade Runner sort of theme. Oh uh, yeah, definitely a lot of Blade Runner inspiration in that uh, in the game for sure. Yeah, and. I am almost certain in the early 90s, was there a point-and-click Blade Runner game? Yes, there was, yeah. Uh, I don't remember the studio off the top of my head, but it was a 3D point-and-click. I think it was mid to late 90s, sometime in the 90s, but uh, I haven't been... Uh, I, I've, I found it. I haven't been able to play it because I haven't been able to get it to run, but I do know it's been, it's, it is been—it's a popular one of the popular adventure games. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've heard it's meant to be a really good point and click sort of game um, I will be honest my point and click 
sort of like expertise goes from maybe the original Monkey Island game, maybe Day of Tentacle, and then nothing all the way up until I've completely forgotten the name of the game, French Studio. Oh god, it was on PS1. There was like five of them. Broken Sword. Oh, bro- yeah. Broken yeah. Sword, yeah. And then the Walking Dead games by Telltale. And that is practically my knowledge of the point and click sort of genre. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, that's funny because I actually even have. Uh, I'm pretty much like a. I'm a very newcomer, very much a newcomer to the point and click. I think I played a few. I didn't even know what they were called. I might have played. Uh, a little bit of a space quest, like on a ancient black and white Apple computer, like way back in the day. Uh, played a little bit of Beneath the Still Sky. Uh, got stuck. Oh, uh, Shadow Gate on NES, which is that's like when I was five. I had my first NES, uh, but I didn't really play a lot of them until recently. I actually was doing. I was a 3D developer. I actually started in Half Life, Unreal Tournament, and uh, Unreal Engine mods, and then I moved over to Point and Click because. Uh, I was making mods and you can't sell those and I wanted to do a commercial endeavor and so uh, I found this studio, this this engine called Adventure Game Studio and it was like uh, you could actually create an entire game. I saw a few folks made entire games by themselves in it and uh, doing reasonably well, like selling it. Um, like I mentioned, Why Jedi Games was the studio I was looking at. Uh, uh, and um, I, I can't think of any other big studios that use it. Off the top. Oh, Screen 7. They're not very big though. But uh, yeah, anyway, so yeah, I mean, um, I just started using point of click, and but I, I really like it because I, I was more into the visual and the story, and uh, not so much on the fancy 3D graphics stuff. Um, and so that's kind of why I went for the point of click genre. I know it's not; it doesn't have the most cutting edge graphics, and but um, it's good for a certain. It's good for smaller studios. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so was this game made with that um, engine? Yeah, so this game was made with Adventure Game Studio or AGS. Uh, yeah. So I mean, I've played around with a couple of the game maker sort of thing. I don't even know how you to describe them, and I got quite good at one. Construct Two, I think it was called. And with that one, I managed to make a platform sort of game where your character was animated and would walk and jump. If you hit, like, little balls, the balls would disappear when you hit them. And if you hit an enemy, you'd restart back at the beginning. And I've got a friend who makes iOS games. And I showed him what I'd made in, like, five hours. And he sort of said if he was to make that by hand, his own code... It'd been like three, four weeks worth of work. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, but it's... I mean, I have the... The ideas to make. But unfortunately, I don't have the patience to sit there and... You know, every little tiny detail, you have to go over and over and over it again. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, like, you know, at AGS... I mean, there's every engine has its own trade uh, trade-offs, you know strengths and weaknesses the mo- the modern ones are definitely like really easy uh unity is another big one i'm sure you heard of that um that you can almost drag and drop a lot of things in um it was easy two or three years ago i used that that's another engine i started neofute actually in unity and then i switched to ags because uh it was easier to make a point and click adventure game um i already had i have a degree in programming so 
there's some more, there's more programming in AGS, but uh, the it's already a lot of that engine, the under the hood stuff, um, the setup is already uh, made to make exactly the point and click adventure style. So you have to do a lot of the additional programming. Um, but there's other engines that are even easier. Like I think Unity even has its own adventure creator for for adventure games nowadays. And um, yeah, there's so yeah, it, it's definitely like uh, yeah, uh, it, it, there's a lot of opportunities if you not necessarily want to go through all of that extra effort to do the under the hood programming stuff. Yeah, but so I'm sure with because Unity is well, maybe even with the Unreal sort of engine now because they're so big. And you can basically get them for free, and then only pay if you're commercially successful. I would have a guess that you'd be able to go onto their marketplace and actually buy someone else's tool that's perfect for what you need. You know, just basically just oh, that's like fifty pounds. I'll just buy that straight out, and then it makes my job a lot easier to do the game that I'm coding. But. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's a thing that you can do. Uh, like, yeah, Adventure Creator, the one I just mentioned, is you can. That's thing, something you can buy on Unity, and uh, it helps you make adventure games. So, uh, it wasn't available when I first started Neofeud, and so now it is. So, for the next game, I'm considering looking at other other options. Um, it kind of depends on how well Neofeud does uh, co- uh, commercially, because I don't have any cash right now. So, I think, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we'll see. Yeah. So you say you're a single developer studio person uh, how long has it been from initial concept to the actual game almost released now uh like i started the concept i started uh it started back in 20 like 13 or 2014 almost three years ago uh well, I'm, as i mentioned like i'm a big fan of blade runner and like cyberpunk as science like dark and gritty science fictional kind of stuff terminator uh, you know, I'm like 35 years old, so my childhood was like, you know, Terminator, Alien, Aliens, all that kind of stuff. I love that. And so I was watching a lot of Blade Runner at night, and uh, my wife, I, I'm married, my wife uh, loves Game of Thrones, and so we would watch the entire se- We, like, binge-watched all the Game of Thrones seasons, like, back-to-back at the same time. So, you know, I kind of had this idea, like, what if there's this, you know, game where it was, like, you know, we, and after Game of Thrones ended, we like, we wanted to keep living in that, that kind of, like, political intrigue where you're like keeping track of all these houses and lords and ladies and they're all you know uh conspiring to murder or take you know take over the kingdom and win the, the throne so like what if you had like, a game where they had like the medieval almost like you know uh feuding feuding castles right but in a cyberpunk world like in the future right so that was kind of where uh in, 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 like a blade runner like near future with you know flying cars uh, you know, cybernetics, uh, cyborgs, uh, you know, uh, uh, artificial intelligence, uploading of minds and consciousness. So all this kind of like science fictional tropes inside of a, but like baked in. So it's kind of like a, 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 a mishmash of those two topics. And that's where I kind of got the idea for it. I started writing a story. It took about a year, a year and a half to kind of like get it really solid. And then another like year for the art and like the programming, well, the programming, the art, about a year, year and a half. And it took me actually, it took me, like six months to a year to finish the music and voice acting, oh, maybe six months for the music and voice acting. So that's about, about two and a half years total, I would say. Um, yeah. Right. And so did you actually do all the music yourself? Uh, yeah. So the music is basically, oh, I had a friend. Um, in the, initially, I was like, I don't have time to do all this because I, I had to kind of get it out. Like, uh, like 
one thing was I wanted to do this as I mentioned I was I had done a lot of mods but I wanted to do this commercially so I wanted to uh, I had to kind of make some money from it so I wanted to get it out quick so I was gonna have one of my friends just kind of like help with all the music but I realized like it wasn't working with the game it, it wasn't really setting the moods and atmosphere that I wanted so I was like I, I mean like I played a lot of rock bands and I, I was actually I started off in music I was like studying film composition and comp- music composition at one point. And so I just said, you know, I'm just going to do all the soundtrack myself. Um, uh, yeah, it's, it was kind of, it took longer, but I was happier with the final result in doing that. Yeah. So are you actually trained in like guitar and things like that? Or is it like all on the PC sort of? Uh, like, uh, I had like guitar lessons in high school. I had like, I took like metal guitar, like, from this guy who was like a really big fan of like eighties hair metal. So I learned lots of guitar solos like Metallica and King Diamond and like uh, Ingve Malmsteen. And I learned like a lot of like the classical somewhat, not classical. I, I actually was in a classical guitar ensemble for a little while. Uh, study a little bit of music. I wouldn't, I would not say that I'm like, I'm not a music major. I'm not like, I play a little bit of keyboard. I play a little bit of a drums. I play a little bit of guitar. Um, played in a lot of rock bands. I played in some weird electronic jazz bands, but, um, uh, most of the soundtrack itself was composed using Ableton Live, which is a audio music composition software. Um, I definitely, yeah, I basically scored a lot of the, anything that has like the violin sections and you know big string sections and choirs. That's all digitally composed in uh, a software and then rendered out. Some of the guitar I did play some of the guitar actually live, but to be honest, sometimes like you know I'm a little bit rusty because I've been typing more computer codes and clicking mice than playing actual instruments, so I'm a little rusty. So it's faster to just you know uh, 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 write out the guitar uh, section rather than play it and try not to screw it up sometimes you know, but yeah, so. yeah I, mean, I know what you mean by you're so used to just typing. It's like when I have to literally write something down on a piece of paper, you'd think I've had yeah. a stroke because I've, ne- I've you don't write anything anymore. It's all on keyboards or on your phone or yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly, yeah. So but, you say uh, the game's yeah. out on the nineteenth on Steam. Yeah. How much will this game cost? Uh, yeah. So the game's out on the nineteenth, and it's gonna be the um the base price. The regular price is uh fourteen ninety nine, uh fifteen bucks, and it's gonna be um like a launch. There's gonna be a launch sale, so it's gonna be twenty percent off for the first week. Um. But yeah, the base price is like yeah fifty. I was looking at other games that were similar, um, and like the length of it. The game is about most reports. It's like ten to fifteen hours uh, long, so it's a little bit longer than some of the other point and clicks, as I understand it. And I added like there's there's some replayability. I added like thirty like a ton of Steam achievements because I know those are the popular on Steam. So there's some replayability at least. Um, so, and the other game, like Captain Babylon is a game that, I mean, it's probably not that well known, but that's one game that's, it's a similar theme, similar look, and it's, it's about the same length as that. So, I was, it's the same price, so I was kind of setting it there. Um, but yeah, so it's all on Steam. You can actually buy it right now if you want, but you can't get the Steam, you can only get the DRM-free version from the itch.io site if you want to buy it. right. And then, when it releases to Steam, if you've already bought it on the itch site, you get a free Steam key. I, I give you a free Steam key there. So, yeah. That's good. So, when I was looking at the, the the trailer and things, the art style it looked very nice, but also like hand drawn and different. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. So the art style was. Uh, I was. I was kind of going like. Um, I, I. I was. There's a couple games that I really liked, and I'm not gonna say that I'm like. I'm not like a. Uh, as I mentioned, I'm a one-person developer, so I had to kind of learn a lot of these skills uh, over time. I mean, I've been developing for 20 years, so over that time, I've learned programming and then art and all and music and all these things. And so the art itself, I, wa I wanted to kind of go for something that was more like, um, you know, it's more, it's much more stylized. It's not like necessarily, well, obviously not photorealistic, um, not quite pixel art. It's, I wanted to go for like a more of like, you know, uh, like you can actually see the more seeing the actual brush strokes. Um, but a little bit, you know, it has a little bit of a disconcerting, like, you know, some parts kind of look almost real, but a little bit off, but I, I kind of wanted to go for that kind of surreal feel. Um, and part of it was I wanted the game to not look like any other game because that's one thing, that's one thing I personally think is important for indie developers. I, maybe, maybe people think it's not, but I think it's better to have a very unique art style that is like immediately distinguishable because there are so many indie games that come out, right? If you, I want people to be able to look at the game and say like, that is definitely, that's a, any screenshot and be like, that is near feud and not be able to, like, if you look at it, you should not be like, oh, I don't know what game that, it could be any game. That could be, you know, the Blade Runner, that could be, you know, point, that could be Monkey Island, that could be, you know, I want it to be like really distinct. So that was kind of some of the things. And yeah, it is hand painted with a Wacom tablet and Photoshop. That's how I made it. Um, yeah. So in the two and a half, three years it's taken, what would you say was the, most difficult part of the actual game creation? Uh, okay, so the most difficult part... Uh, let's see. Now, um, a lot of the time, it's just, you know, kind of like uh, one thing... As this, Well, this is just something, again, this is unique to like somebody who is like an independent developer. Just keep uh, getting the motivation to keep working on the game itself for that length of time. At times, it was a little bit, uh, you know, you get a little bit isolated because it's a lot of things in your head. And, uh, you know, I think it's, it would have, it might have been good to have worked with a few other people, and I wanted to, but the problem was I wanted to do it commercially, and I didn't want to fall into the other trap, which is, um, you know, if you, if you, for example, work with an artist, and, you know, you have this project that, okay, well, in a year or two years, we're going to launch that's kind of a long ways away, and, you know, it's like, you know, if it's just, if nobody's, you know, if, if something happens between it, like the artist gets another job somewhere else, and you have like half of the art assets finished, and then he has, to, and then you know for whatever reason he's got to move on, you're let you're kind of stuck at the, at the if you're the programmer, right? Because then now you have to go find another artist to either duplicate that style, or possibly you know it's going to be tough. You might have to just you know throw it all out and restart, and it and it causes a lot of other headaches in terms of um, just that kind of stuff. So that was one reason why I did it myself. But doing it myself, the hardest part of that was the kind of like you get isolated and you get kind of like uh you know why am i even doing this because some you know you like to talk to people and it's hard to i wasn't playing a lot of games during this time i was kind of just working on my game um and so that was kind of the hardest part just kind of like keeping yourself on task and keeping yourself like i have to make like 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 goal lists like today i need to do this animation and get this programming in and i have to do this you know and every day kind of like just doing that and you know kind of like remind it was it helped to have like a community like the adventure game studio community were supportive so you, I would post screenshots and they would or on Twitter and they'd be like, "Hey, that looks great, good job. I really, I'm looking forward to this, right?" So then, at least you can see like other people are interested in this thing because without people saying, "Hey, I would be interested in playing this one day," I probably would have given up after like you know six months or a year. I probably would have given up earlier and just be like, "You know what? Whatever, man. <laughs> like, 
I'll just do something. I'll just play games or do something else. Yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I totally get what you mean by it's the dedication that you need. Because I've literally got half a book written. I think I've finished on like chapter 13. I just, do you know what I mean? Just pick it up and think, I can't be bothered to write anymore. I've literally got half a tattoo. <laughs> you know, I've got like that sort of done. Oh. But I haven't got any of the backgrounds or anything to finish. And I've just like, it costs too much as it is, and I'll just leave it now. <laughs> But I yeah, like that's the Tooth Fighter, though. Sega Saturn, PlayStation, Xbox, Sega Rally, Street Fighter 2, Virtua, Corp, uh, Ridge Racer, and uh, Virtua Fighter 2. Very, very nice, yeah. Oh, and Sega. <laughs> but that's yeah. That's cool, man. That's yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, sure old. I'm older than you, so. <laughs> oh, you are? Yeah. Wow. Uh, I'm 36. Yeah. Oh okay okay, yeah okay yeah 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 because I was like I was gonna say refer to that was like that was like uh, I spent uh, probably like a hundred hours in my fourth grade just hanging in arcades playing Street Fighter two so that's yeah cool. I mean, but yeah I used to have an old job in a call center where on the weekend we were we were allowed allowed because the manager wasn't there but the other people said we were allowed to bring in the Xbox three sixty and I had man chipped at the time so I could copy all the games and I had an early version of Street Fighter 4 and oh. I was banned from playing my own game because I, I said I'd only play it one handed and I won 50 games in a row I used to, oh, love, wow. I used to love that game so much <laughs> <laughs> yeah for sure um yeah, I mean, like, yeah, that's interesting. I mean, if you, there's actually, like, there's an entire scene. There's a lot of, like, you know, my own gaming nostalgia is all up in the feud. So I don't want to say, like, you know, I don't want to talk badly about the younger generations, but I will say that there are certain references that you won't, you will only get if you're, like, 30-plus-year-old, you know, if you grew up gaming. Um, although, I, I wouldn't, let's just say, like, there's a lot of retro gaming, and there's a lot of 80s, 80s stuff coming back nowadays, but there's, refer- there's an actual location in the game called The Arcade, which is full of arcade games, and a lot of them are like references. To, yeah, to Street Fighter Two, to the original Terminator, the arcade Terminator game is like uh, one of the one of the mini game challenges is you have to beat someone at an arcade game. Um, it's not Street Fighter Two, but you know, it's, it's like a, I think it's a it's Gradius, it's a it's a Gradius Three ripoff, but it's called Space X, like Space EKS, and uh, so that's one of the. Oh, you have to know the... If you know the Konami code, you can easily beat Neofeud also. That's another trick <laughs> for anybody watching. Pro tip. I have to say one thing, though. The... I mean, we're based in the UK, and for some unknown reason, the original Nintendo, the NES, just did not sell in the UK. Oh. It was... I mean, from what I've read on the internet, in the US... The original NES had, I think it was, a 99% domination of the American market. In the UK, the NES sold, I think it was, 4 million consoles. And the Master System, Sega's, sold 12 million. Oh, wow. So, yeah. over here we were a lot more Sega than we were Nintendo. 
Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, it's um, that was my first one. It was uh, I was at like four, and I stayed up all night playing. Uh, was it like yeah Mario and all that stuff? And um, but I had Sega, I had the Genesis, I had the Master, the Sega CD, I had uh, PlayStation. Yeah, you guys had SNES or that? Yes, that? yeah, we had the SNES. Yeah, 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 SNES, and um, uh, yeah, I, I kind of got up to Dreamcast, and then. Nintendo 64, I kind of didn't have much after uh, Dreamcast. I didn't keep up with the consoles after after Dreamcast. Um, but, uh, yeah, for sure. It's, um... Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, so if you're a gamer, I mean, if you, it's, it's, um... I, I, I mean, yeah, I, I, as I said, like, I'm not, like, a... I wasn't not, like, a, a native to, like, point-and-click adventure land. I was not... I was more of a... To be honest, I was more of an FPS kind of person until later. It wasn't until, like, probably, like, after the 2000s that I got into the point-and-click stuff more. Um, yeah. So, I mean, would you describe your game as more of the Telltale sort of style, where it's more narrative-driven story, or is it more like the old-school ones, where it's much more puzzle-orientated? Um, I would say it's definitely more... Well, my like my like uh, modus operandi or my uh, what do you call it? my mantra while I was designing was like don't make don't make puzzles. The puzzle is going to kind of like just be there because it's a point and click adventure game. You need to do a point and click puzzle. So I wanted to make sure like the puzzles should be like challenges that are like relevant to the story. So that was one thing like you know that's a comment that I hear a lot is like you know a lot modern comments about older point and click. Um, is that you know sometimes it would it would be jarring if you would be stuck you know you'd be enjoying the story and then you'd be stuck for like ten minutes twenty minutes half an hour or like all day and it would kind of throw you out while you're trying to figure out one puzzle and so that would kind of draw you out of the narrative of the world and the immersion and so if it has has puzzles it does have point and click but that's not the central like if you're if you're coming to point and click games for the point and click gameplay um, that is not really its its strongest suit it's not quite as easy as, not necessarily like as like easy as certain. Uh, I wouldn't call it an interactive novel. It's not quite that straightforward. There is actual gameplay in it, but um, I wanted to focus more on the the storyline and it's set up more. Like it has full voice acting. It has like cinematic. Like the music is. I mean the, you know the music and the story itself. Um, I was kind of mostly focused on that. There's a lot of a lot of the puzzles involved. Um, uh, which, which is a little different. One, all the puzzles, puzzles involve talking and or dialogue and social puzzles. Like there are multiple. There are a lot of scenes where there's like multiple characters, and one of them is, for example, this a near feud it has a lot to do with politics. So one of them is actually a princess. He's like a futuristic. Like he's a basically like the equivalent of a CEO plus the head of you know she's like David Cameron plus the Pope plus uh, Donald Trump. They're like that little power rolled into one. So she's very politically powerful. One character is like a drug dealer and a robot and he's like powerful in the underworld one character is actually a cop so in each instance you might have to you know use one character's leverage so like for example the cop you know can use his uh you know uh his authority to like you know um uh, push down certain individuals or try to like you know threaten certain individuals with being arrested the princess can like push almost anyone over but she's not too smart in like necessarily she can't pick a lock necessarily right? but she can like you know push around like uh she can order people especially people who are in official jobs. You can order anybody to do anything. And then the, the robot character, 
Um, you know, he's a uh, he has we he like he has a gun everywhere, and uh, he has uh, uh, he can talk to the robots and this like negotiate better with the non-human characters better. So it's a lot of that is these kind of like social puzzles, um, which that's my way of kind of like making sure that the story doesn't like get too far away from, uh, you know, like let's you know the joke is always you know what is it the rubber put the rubber chicken into the pulley or the cat mustache puzzle where these kind of like puzzles that are just there. Um, that are not necessarily, they don't make a lot of sense and they kind of draw you out. There's none of those. I wanted to make sure I didn't have those in the game. Yeah. Yeah, because I remember some of the older sort of puzzles in the old games and I, I could spend hours and hours trying to work them out and then it was just randomly hit it with a wooden spoon or something. It's just, <laughs> yeah, it yeah, doesn't yeah. make sense. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So... $15, so I guess that would be about 12 English pounds, give or take. Uh, yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah um, our pound's dropping like a stone, so I don't know what. <laughs> it might be Oh, worth. shoot. <laughs> but. Well, I'll give you, I'll, I'll have to see, I don't know if I can give you guys a special pound discount or something, but, um, but, uh, yeah, that, that, that's what it is, uh. It was actually on sale. I, the sale just ended. It was 33% off for a little while because this was the last time it was going to be on uh, the itch. It, it was like it was it was like $10 for a little while on itch.io, but now it's back up to 15 Um But I mean, yeah, it's uh, there's going to be like bundles. Like you can actually get the soundtrack, and I think I'm trying to set up so you can get you know you, I think you can get like a the soundtrack plus the game, and it's you know get like a discount and. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, just, I'm just hoping that, you know, it sells enough to, you know, I did, uh, well, I, I, the itch.io, it came out there, but as I understand, Steam is like 90, so it's basically the vast majority of PC sales just comes through Steam, so. Um, I, I would have got it on Steam earlier, but I, I, was not, I was not the best at business and marketing stuff, so I didn't get it onto Greenlight um, early enough, and so I, I would have liked that. I should have had it out on Steam in March, but. Uh, I was just not the most. Uh, I'm not the most like, PR and business savvy. I focus. Well, I, I focus on all the other skills, but not that stuff. So um, it's been a lot of learning. You know, it's it's a learning process as you go. Yeah. So I mean, the last sort of thing I was curious about is, you say it's fully voice acted. Is that just like friends and relatives that you managed to get in, or did you actually hire proper people? Um, yeah. So the voice acting is. Um, like, I would say all the main characters, I have, they all have, like, at least theater training. Um, I, I did, I, I know this was an issue because I didn't want the voice acting. A lot of times, again, another thing that throws people out of the games is you could have a really good script, a good story, and it looks good. The voice acting is, like, really not that good. It can kind of bring a good script down to, like, mediocre or worse. Um, people don't, don't buy it. Um, so... I did pay everybody who voice acted, even if they did a small part. I wanted to make everybody was paid, and I definitely wanted. To, I vetted like everybody, so I had them like like send auditions. And another thing was that Neofeud is a very specific sort of story. Um, the dialogue and the writing is um, it's a it's a certain kind of like uh, like it's it's kind of like uh, hard to describe exactly. I'm a really, I was really a big fan of William Gibson and Blade Runner, and the characters in the story are kind of somewhat complex, and it's it, the, the the dialogue has a lot of uh, usage of science fictional terms that um, it come off it came off kind of 
just people reading it came off kind of stilted if you didn't really get what the story was about. So I, I did spend a lot of time auditioning. That's why it took like almost six months to get the voice acting done was I auditioned a lot of people and I paid everybody um, who, who was on it. And um, basically all the main characters had theater, theater training as far as I know. Um, some, my, my wife actually did do um, – she did that princess character I was talking about. But, um, she, yeah, she, she's, uh, she has voice training. So, um, uh, yeah, so I, I – I mean, I, I'm not going to say that the voice acting is the greatest quality. It's definitely not like, you know, I don't have, like, you know, Sean Bean and famous actors. I don't have, uh, you know, uh, a, a, A-list actors on it. But I do think – I was happy with the voice acting, uh, I think. You know, I mean, but people will have to make their own opinions about that. Yeah, no, I was just curious because I, I – one of my many things that I get involved with and then drop, I wrote a animated TV series. And we, it was going to be like a, a web series, so it was only like 10, 15 minutes per episode in six episodes. Right. And I emailed off loads of people, and the we got Dustin Diamond, who played Screech in Saved by the Bell. He, oh, wow. He emailed back and said, yes, he wants to do it, but he wanted, I think it was $7,000, Oh, ouch. For one hour's work. <laughs> one hour? Yeah. Wow. And we had, as you mentioned, we had Sean Bean. His agent emailed saying that he's read it, he likes it, but he'd like to know more about everything. And I was like, oh, I don't have a clue. I was just emailing the scripts out to people and see what they'd say. And we had people from Beverly Hills 90210... I can't remember what his name is, but he does a lot of the Sharknado sort of movies. The tall, oh, yeah, blonde haired yeah, one. He uh-huh. was interested, and a woman from Back to the Future who played his Martin McFly's mum. They were both interested, oh, wow. but I had to sign up to the Screen Actors Guild, and I had no idea how the hell I would do that. Because like, they. Because of their contracts and whatever in America, they can only work with official Screen Actors Guild sort of like stuff and and it just got way too much, way too hard. And there were some people, I'm not going to name names, but I'd email off, the agents had emailed back saying they will read the script if I pay them £7,000, but that that doesn't guarantee they'll say yes or no. They'll they'll just read the script if I give them seven grand. Wow! So my budget. Well, that's it was twelve thousand pounds, but after all the Screen Actors Guild, all the voice talent, it went up to about seventy thousand dollars, and it's like I can't afford that just for one hour worth sort of like of of a of a show. Seventy thousand for one hour long. Was it, was it just a reading, or just a... no? That was the entire the animated, the whole thing animated, scripted, voice acted, and finished. Seventy thousand dollars. Oh wow! Uh, and that was a that was a that was like an animation like uh, uh, like what were, were you gonna? It was like a, an hour long animation. Yes. Yeah. Oh okay. 
Yeah. Well, that's amazing. That's great that you got Sean Bean even looking at it. That's that's, yeah. that's pretty cool. That's a big badge. You should wear that. Yeah. Put that on your website. <laughs> Sean Bean looked at my stuff. Uh, no, yeah, that's um, that's awesome. No, no, I did. Yeah, I, I did not. Uh, I mean, like generally speaking, like when you go to the A list, um, as I understand it, the voice actors, are, yeah, it goes into the thousands quickly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> As a, you know, I, I basically, I'm operating on a $0 budget. That's why I'm doing everything myself. I would have loved, I mean, if I could get some of those great level, you know, high level actors, you know, on it, maybe when Nyefi makes a million dollars, the next, I can afford to pay these people, right? Then I would, I would love to have some of those high level guys on. But, um, but yeah, it's definitely like, you know, the voice acting, I, you know, what I didn't want is to have it be like, you know, if you just go on this, uh, yeah, I don't want to name names of, or sites, but there's certain sites just go on and say, hey, anybody voice acting, and if you just take the first person that comes up, it's, you know, a lot of times it's not going to be that good. Like I had like, I think I had like 30 plus auditions for the main characters. Um, I went through a lot and a lot of times, you know, there's better, sometimes, you know, there's better actors. They, you know, they, they have more uh, repertoire. They had bigger, um, uh, but a lot of times for me, I think it's like finding the right person, especially the ones who are like passionate and they really get the script to me. It was like only a few of them really got the script and they're really into the, the game itself and they could really embody the characters, um, and like bring a real life to the characters, because I felt like that was what was important. Like Neofeed was never going to sell because of the amazing, you know, it's not you know super high definition, amazing 3D cutting edge graphics. There's no virtual reality. There's no fancy, you know, there's no big fancy graphical or engine uh, programming uh, 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 perks to Neofeed, right? It's kind of it's it's old school. If it was going to sell, it was going to be because you know, like it had a good story, the characters were compelling, puzzles were not completely irritating. And people like the soundtrack. And if that was like, it's kind of like I was like, if you got that right, then I think it would do okay. So you know, that's kind of how I when I when I decided what to do. And also, I didn't have tons of money, so if I wanted, even if Sean Bean read my thing, I would be never never be able to afford that, or I'd be like way in debt. I would, <laughs> I'd be in a deep hole. So yeah, but yeah, I mean that's cool, man. I'll, I'll definitely like you know. Do you have any? Uh, is all this stuff? Is your writing on your site also the? No, no not else? not the not the animated show. No. No, oh. <laughs> I, I've I've kept that out because I we have other ideas of turning it into either like a, one of those animated comic books. Oh yeah. So to take it down a lot lower price and just get a couple of voice actors in to to sort of do the bits. But I don't know. I, I've I like to keep my options open for certain things oh okay yeah cool cool so I guess I've taken up nearly 40 minutes of your time oh no problem it's a pleasure (laughs) (laughs) it is now nearly 3 o'clock in the morning for me and I've got to get up at 9am so that'll be fun (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah, that's 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 rough, man. Good luck with that new schedule. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I will just like to sort of say, I hope the game does sell really well for you. It does look interesting. I will play a good chunk. Well, I say a good chunk, about half an hour, forty-five minutes of it. Maybe tomorrow night when I get back in, and then put that up on on our YouTube channel. Um. It'll probably be the first two minutes of the game, but I'll just get stuck somewhere and it'll be like 40 minutes of me just saying, how the hell do you do that? <laughs> hopefully, hopefully not. <laughs> but yeah, 
But yeah, I mean, the last video I did, it was Train Mechanic Simulator 2017. And it oh. was a big train pulled up and it said I had to change some spring. And I have no idea what the hell that was, so I just dismantled the train bit by bit until there was nothing left. <laughs> so, <laughs> At least that must have been entertaining. So that, yeah. I, I tell you what, if I knew what I was doing, I could sit there and... Because you're just literally clicking on things and undoing bolts and swapping things out. I could really sit there for hours just clicking random buttons. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I guess I need to know what. I, I used to play the car mechanic simulators. But it's like you change the radiator. I know where the radiator is in a car. But in a train, I have no idea where anything is. Right, right, yeah. You know, I guess it's a certain audience of an audience you know so it, it, I guess yeah, they're not expecting it to sell very well but it did look really nice the graphics are really good on it but I guess oh, yeah. they'll use the same engine for all their mechanic simulator games oh okay yeah I've never heard of that one so yeah <laughs> <laughs> sounds like fun it, it was good for half an hour until I just didn't have a clue what the hell was left. I just completely stripped everything out of the train. So, <laughs> and then I just turned it off. And I uninstalled oh, okay. it, so... <laughs> <laughs> Can't strip any more trains. Well, yeah, yeah near feed, uh Yeah, the, well, the first at least five minutes is, uh, uh, you know, you're just it's the intro. So you'll get through at least five minutes. <laughs> and then, uh, I'll give you a yeah. I'll give you a hint. Look in your wallet, though, because some people got stuck. So I put lots of big flashing... Uh, tutorial sections like look in your wallet in the first so don't, don't get stuck and rage quit after two minutes <laughs> but yeah so good luck with that though thanks for thanks for giving it a playthrough though for sure that's not a problem I'll sit through and have a quick go I mean I don't know if it's from the game or not but do you know I, I had a quick watch of the I think it was on your YouTube the official trailer for it uh -huh. was that all your music or was that sampled off of the Oh, uh, yeah. the The trailer is music that yeah, it's, it's music that I composed, and uh, the music itself, like that 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 piece is it's piece um, that song shows up in the game as well. Uh, it's 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 compressed into the two minute uh, trailer, but that is part of the Neofeud soundtrack. That yeah, that uh, uh, orchestral, electronic, and uh, drums and stuff. That, that that's all music from the game. Well, I will say that I was actually really impressed with the actual the music, you know, the sound of you know everything. It just f fit really well with the actual art style, and so hopefully oh. I'll enjoy going through that game tomorrow. And All right, yeah. Hopefully, in three or four days, it'll be up on Steam, and you make a nice wad of cash. Yeah, absolutely. I'll give you the seven thousand so you can get Sean Bean on. <laughs> yeah, if it does, um, yeah. I tell you, it, we had it signed and everything done. Dustin Diamond was signed on to do it. He was going to go on the. Uh, I don't know what. I'm not American, but one of the late night talk shows like Entertainment Tonight or some. Or I don't know the. Where they just sit on a on a couch and talk to the host. Yeah, yeah. 
and he was going to go on one of them, and we were going to launch a Kickstarter, and he was going to like oh. launch it on that. But unfortunately, it was going on the the show on I think it was the twelfth of January. It was moving from the New York to Jersey summit. I don't know what these places are, but it was moving. And on New Year's Eve, a couple of years ago, he stabbed someone in a bar. So, <laughs> so unfortunately, that all fell through. <laughs> With uh, Justin Diamond? Yes. <laughs> yeah, he was saying that oh, no. the person in the bar was hitting on or threatening his girlfriend and he stabbed him. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but oh, yeah, so it. I was like... Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, well, uh, yeah, yeah, well, at least, at least you got it that, that far. That's that's a lot, that's a lot. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm, just, I'm still hoping that, like, Rock, Paper, Shotgun will respond to my emails to uh, get at least uh, top post about me if you on their site, so cross my fingers. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, unfortunately, I think, as you'll probably know, if your game's not featured on IGN, Giant Bomb, or, you know, like, GameSpot, things like that, then it's very hard to get any sort of traction anywhere. Yeah, it's tough. Uh, as I understand, like, you know, if you get really, if you get a really big Reddit post, apparently that can... Uh, apparently, I don't know if you heard of the movie Kung Fury. Yeah. Uh, you heard of it? Yeah, like, apparently that whole thing, like, it was about to die, but then somebody, a bunch of people upvoted on Reddit, and then it, it, that's basically where it blew up from, so. Uh, well, I'll have, have to look into that on the release day, maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if I don't get giant, yeah. Yeah, well, we'll, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I did get a, a lot of the indie game sites, like, a lot of those guys uh, got a lot of coverage from from those guys, and so, uh, and I have, a, I have one contact, not inside of IGN, but it's inside of... Uh, uh, it's a site called Utomic. Uh, they're like a, they're like, they're supposed to be the Netflix. They're like a the smaller, like Steam. They're like a distribution service. So, he's he's giving me tips on like how to go through the release to get as big a splash as possible. So, you know, just hoping that maybe they'll pick it up. It's kind of like you know, if everybody's picking it up, sometimes they'll, oh, we should also talk about this game because everybody else is right. So th- hopefully that will make some difference. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you've come across this yet or not, but I helped launch an iOS game about two years ago and the Let's Players were becoming quite big at that time. So I emailed a load of the influential streamers and all the replies I got, 90% of them that replied were basically, oh yeah, if you give me a thousand dollars, I'll say I like this game. (laughs) Wow. You know, so it's Oh, so you want me to pay you a lot of money just so you can just say you like the that? And they said they wouldn't guarantee they would play it. They would just mention that they like that game. Oh, uh, is that like a PewDiePie kind of thing? Well, he's yeah. probably more than that. I would guess, but yeah, but it's it's yeah. that sort of thing where when they're doing a video, he sort of said, "Oh, I might play the game, or I might just mention it with as I'm doing a video, but I want one thousand dollars." Oh yeah, I said you know two million people will see it. I maybe I don't know, but uh, that's, yeah, that's kind of steep. So yeah. I think <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy yeah, I mean, the world we're living in. Absolutely, man. So thank you for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure. And I need to get some oh. sleep. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So thanks, thanks for having me on. It's been a great time. Uh, good to meet you, David. Um, have a, have a good sleep. <laughs> I will do. And yeah, so basically, thank you. Um, I will just say before we go, we're going to have a quick break, and then we'll have a review on, and then we'll have the Nintendo. Oh God, what the hell was it? Nindy's Showcase 2017 sort of thing. We'll have a talk about that as well. So thank you, and we'll be back after this quick break. Fly through space, rescue cats, score big points. Download Per Rocket for free today. Visit www.perrocket.com. Up next on the One Up Gaming Podcast is 10 Minutes of Nothing. Will it be the team talking about nothing or a guest interview? Stick around and find out now. It's 10 Minutes of Nothing. Yeah, 10 Minutes of Nothing. My name is Eddie and I am reviewing Catacombs 1 Demon War for One Up Gaming. Uh, my first impression of the game, I've played for about 3-4 hours, it is a very classic RPG, it takes a lot of inspiration from classic RPGs because it looks like one, and it's not a good thing. This game plays slowly, it is turn based, it is very very slow to get going not a lot there to tell you basically where to go from the start you're just there then again this is an early access game so you can't expect too much polish but I would say that if you're a fan of older ass RPGs like really old like the control scheme and the combat if you love all of that stuff even the way it looks then great, this might actually be something you'll like. But if you're not, then stay away, because this is a, this is a very, very big homage to the games of old. Because playing this game, you see how dated it is, how old it is, how old a lot of the systems it's pulling out really are. And I don't think that as a game, well, as an RPG, it should be this bad. It shouldn't be. The controls are tankish. You can only move in four directions: up, down, left, right. Uh, you, the combat is a bit samey. There's not much different. It's basically use a power strike that takes up MP or attack normally for most of the game. Buy better weapons if you want to do better damage. Buy better gear if you want if you want better defense. There's no complicate. There's no complicated systems about it. It's just do this thing and you're fine. I would say that a lot of the game kind of takes a lot of getting used to, purely because it is what it says it is. It's about just delving into catacombs, doing quests, and you know killing mostly at the beginning rats and other things it's not a very exciting game and it's not very enjoyable really I've played about 3 hours and I can't play anymore (laughs) it is probably one of the most boring games I've played in a very long time and this is coming from someone 
who enjoys RPGs. Like, I love games like Tyranny and like I love most of Obsidian's work. And that's how, and Obsidian is a very good way of looking at it and saying this is a studio who understands how to make an RPG. And Catacomb One is not a game that understands how to make a fun RPG it understands how to make an old RPG but it does not understand how to make a fun RPG just because it has classic mechanics does not make it an enjoyable experience there are times where classic mechanics are fun and can be used to enhance the play of the game but this is not one of those times it is the exact goddamn opposite I would say that for the majority of my of me playing the game it was mostly me trying to f- keep playing the, and hoping that at some point the game would become enjoyable it didn't uh i would say that for anyone thinking hey i want to pay for this early access i want to get this game i would say be very careful because you are going to end up either not liking it or being very bored with what you get and that is just the truth and this is a game that's being split into three different chapters which i understand it's three different it's three different chapters you know you you want to split up the game to i don't know give yourself time to develop the other levels maybe uh but this is the thing i don't think i want to play the other two chapters unless there's a drastic change because it doesn't seem worth it. The amount of time and effort you put into the game does not seem worth it for the enjoyment and for the content that you get out of it. And that's what I would say. That's my that is probably my final opinion on the game. A good place to end it. So I will say Catacomb One Demon War. Uh st- just stay in early access just don't come out of it or probably just don't buy it because it's not worth it unless you like old ass RPGs then waste your money but yeah that has been my opinion on this very lackluster and very disappointing game thank you for listening again Eddie for 1UP Gaming if I have to give it a score it would be burn alive. Do you have trouble sleeping? Tossing and turning all night. Nothing you do seems to help. You're not getting your recommended six to eight hours of sleep each night. Well, now there's a solution. Now there's Fat Cat Fly. With Fat Cat Fly, you'll easily get the sleep that you deserve. Download for free on the iOS App Store, and you're guaranteed to get a good night's sleep with very few side effects, as you help a fluffy kitty eat all the junk food that he wants. Side effects may include sleeplessness and desire for cheeseburgers if erection lasts more than five hours. See a physician. Try Fat Cat Fly today. Visit facebook.com slash fly because you deserve a better life. Hello, this is just David from One Up Gaming. Been away for quite a while now, and I've moved house finally got things a little bit set up so you can see behind me got me signed sensible software stuff my little
podcast, do you want a gaming poster? Then in the, that corner, me old Transformers, Devastator, I think it is, and Donatello, and me old TV with the Sega Saturn set My t-shirt of the Sega Saturn. My really weird... Yeah, I can't even pull that down. But anyway, there's some, like, um, tattoos of games and retro things. But anyway, less of that. Today, I'm going to have a quick look over the Nintendo Switch Nindies Showcase Summer 2017. And with that, let's just get on straight with it, should we? So, I shall... I don't know whether to... Should I play it full screen and me in the bottom? And... Anyway, we'll see what happens. We'll just click the play button there. So we will see if it's that button I press. There we go. Oh, there we go. That looks about right, doesn't it? I don't know. Anyway, can you see me if I sit back? Oh, that feels good. Oh. This is Meat Boy. Hi, Meat Boy. I thought it was red. This is Bandage Girl. And this, well, this is Nugget, huh. their little bundle of joy. Aww. Isn't that cute? This is Dr. Fetus. He's not a real doctor. Wow. <clears throat> One day, while our heroes were enjoying life, Dr. Fetus attacked them! <laughs> Sorry, that's quite good. When our heroes came too, Aww. and couldn't find Nugget, they knew what they had to do. Damn right. Oh, this looks a bit. I don't know how to explain, but it looks... The colours look a bit more vibrant, like the Super Nintendo, like the SNES. Cool. That could be quite cool, that. I, I did like Super Meat Boy. A little bit hey too folks, hard for I'm me, Damon though. Baker, the Hi, Damon. Boss of the publisher and developer relations team at Nintendo of America. This is my final form, and that was Super so, Meat Boy. Yeah, forever. anyone watching the video, excuse me, I'm going to be watching, uh, eating some awesome Haribo straws. Like the original Super Meat Boy game, you'll find your meaty no, self no, no. leaping off walls, dodging buzzsaws, and doing other things that'll make you feel alive by almost killing you. <laughs> Only this time, the fun never has to end, literally. Levels get harder each time you beat them, keeping things fresh as ground beef and clean wrap. And an updated control scheme, new ranking system, and daily challenges will keep you coming back for more. Super Meat Boy Forever will make its debut on Nintendo Switch next year. Hmm. Games like Super Meat Boy Forever remind us that there are some things you just can't find in other art forms. And what better representation of that than to film here at MoPop, the Museum of Pop Culture in Seattle. This amazing museum Ooh, not nice. only embodies the influence that games, music, TV, and movies have brought to the world, but it will also be the setting of our annual Nindies at Night event on August 31st, which kicks off PAX West with an open-to-the-public event not to be missed. We'll be live-streaming from the event, so if you don't have a chance to visit us here in Seattle, be sure to tune in for developer interviews, gameplay reveals, and maybe even an announcement or two from our partners. And speaking of announcements, we have a metric ton in store for you. 
from expertly crafted retro-style games to experimental titles on the cutting edge of the indie games industry. Today, you're going to see a bit of both and everything in between. First, let's see what's next for the 8-bit world yeah, of Shovel Knight. Yeah, let's have a quick look. King Knight's Royal Adventure is the final campaign in Yacht Club's Shovel Knight Treasure Trove saga, and it's bigger and grander than ever. Yacht Club has sent us like Xbox codes, PS4 codes, four new worlds, Nintendo, I think Wii U codes, even a 3DS code. And I've sent them all out to other reviewers, and I've never played this game. In this quirky quest. Collect I've always weapons, wanted to, it looks good. And abilities, but look your dandiest as you pummel your foes with your signature bash attack. I just don't have time Had to sit and play these sort of games. Then unwind and sharpen your strategic mind by competing in card battles with future subjects from across the land. I'm not sure about card battles. Dig into I'm not Knight, a big King fan of, cards of in early card 2018. stuff. Now let's take a look at our next game, which yeah. should bring back some fond memories. For anyone who has ever loved a game so much, your mom had to hide it from you. No. Mom Hid My Game may seem like a simple seek and find game about seeking and finding a game, and, well, it is. But you've really got to push your imagination to solve each stage. What Both the, the Nintendo Switch and Nintendo 3DS versions will include some exclusive stages when it launches later this year. And in the end, you may just learn to see all the fun hiding around you in everyday life. Maybe. Either I'm way, it's baffled definitely with a that great one. way to diversify your Nintendo Switch library. Role-playing is almost pink. always about knights hitting monsters with swords and arrows, and you know, that's great. But how about an RPG where your weapon of choice is a set of clubs? Golf clubs, that is. <laughs> Enter Golf Story, a massive journey through the wild world of golf, where each new area you visit contains new courses, towns, locals, and secrets to aim for. This sporting saga has a dramatic story with a diverse cast of characters to meet, challenges to beat, upgrades to earn, and equipment to collect, not to mention disc golf, mini golf, and drone flights. Golf Story will launch this September, exclusively on Nintendo Switch. On the Switch, it looks like a bloody... With all these announcements, Game Boy Advance need a game. break. Breakbeat, that is. Alright, okay. I admit it, I got carried away there, but once you experience Floor Kids from the folks at Merge Media, you'll feel the same way. Check no, it out for yourself. I don't think so. It's just a uh, kind of more realistic. So, boy, yeah. It's like a break dancing for Rapper the Rapper. What about say it looks alright? Actually, quite big in that. That's actually maybe not my sort of game, but the music sounds cool and it looks alright. This rhythm-based action game will I'm give in. you the expressive control you need to feel the funk and find your style. In a series of breakdance sessions, you'll bust out some fresh moves, earn respect, and recruit a diverse set of dancers as you reach new locations. Play the way you like in single or multiplayer modes with either traditional controls or touchscreen gestures. 
amazing hand-drawn visuals by indie creator John John, and a soundtrack by the one and only Kid Koala make this a must-have title when the game launches first on Nintendo Switch this holiday. Many of us have fond memories of destroying enemies and tokens during the arcade scene of the 80s and the 90s. But now, Wolverblade is bringing back that beat-em-up list, no tokens required. The hand-drawn art lends to the cinematic right. nature, steeped in the deepest lore of Britannia, depicting real people and places from ancient Britain. You and a friend can bring beautiful vengeance on your enemies as you travel from torchlit woodlands so on to a 3D plane, or just on a 2D Wolverblade plane. will storm the Nintendo eShop this September when it launches first on Nintendo Switch. This September should be... You don't have be to be an architect to flex out. your engineering muscles and polybridge, the bridge building simulator that proves it's just Ooh. as fun to fix things up as it is to watch them fall to pieces. Ooh. Hundreds of levels and hours of physics-based puzzle solving will Ooh. gear you up to jump in the sandbox and create your own incredible bridges, that looks puzzle levels, cool. and absurdities to show your friends. I can't wait to see what you <laughs> mad geniuses come up with when it launches. Yeah, actually, that looked quite good. I like that sort of game. Up next, our friends at Cardboard Computer and Annapurna Interactive are pleased to introduce you to a magical realist adventure game about a secret highway in the caves beneath Kentucky. Check it out. Alright, so... Why is it of all these games going after like, the limbo sort of effect now? Or inside? I'm not complaining, a lot of the games do look and feel really nice. But, you know, they need to get some sort of new stuff, don't they? TV edition, what the hell? Oh well. We're excited to announce that Kentucky Route Zero TV edition is coming to Nintendo Switch, including the debut of the long-awaited fifth and final act of the series. In this episodic tale, an antique furniture delivery man trying to make his small shop's last delivery no, gets lost I've along the way it. and meets a haunted TV repair woman, a young boy and his giant eagle brother, a pair of robot musicians, and dozens of other characters. Together, yeah. they explore the nocturnal highways and country roads of Kentucky, the storied Echo River by ferry, and the mysterious Route Zero, the secret highway that runs through Mammoth Cave. Kentucky Route Zero TV Edition, which includes all five acts and interludes, launches on Nintendo Switch early next year. It does look nice. Looks nice. Earth Atlantis is digital proof that side-scrolling shooters can be more than a blast from the past. They can also offer a startling look into the future, one where an impending disaster called the Great Climate Shift of the 21st century covered 96% of the Earth in merciless water. As one of the last survivors of humanity, you must explore this new underwater world and hunt down monstrous creature-machine hybrids. Multiple ships with special weapons and a power-up system will bring the fight to the ocean floor. When Earth that could be alright, I do miss scrolling shooters. I really did used to like scrolling shooters. Next up, the debut game from Digital Continue. Founded by industry veteran Joe Trangali, executive producer of Scribblenauts, Locks Quest, and Drawn to Life. Oh, don't mention Drawn to Life. And it's a community-driven online action Horrible game game. where everybody dies, but the fighting spirit lives on. When one hero falls, an echo is left behind, and the next hero can revive them as an AI companion. 
As a result, you'll take turns fighting and dying beside your friends until entire armies fall before you. Choose from nine heroes and wield everything from swords to rockets to bongo drums. When the game launches on Nintendo Switch in early 2018, no, complete with a Joy-Con good for me. In our first Nindie showcase last February, we had the privilege of debuting SteamWorld Dig 2. But there was one dirty little secret we left buried deep below the earth. When the heck can you play it? Perhaps this new trailer from Image and Form will help. Enjoy. I want to play this game, Brian. I do. Looks good. I did like SteamWorld Heist though, I thought that was a really good game. In her search for answers, she dug up more than she bargained for. The caves. The companions. The upgrades. The dangers. Steam World Dig 2. A first of its kind game. Hmm. Again. Now, let's return to the surface of the Earth so we can explore a corner of it rarely seen in fiction. I'll let the trailer get us started. Am I going to be the first to say it? The backgrounds and graphics kind of remind me of Boopsy 3D. Oh yeah, you young kids, Google it. Have a look. Very minimalist. But, we'll see. Early 2018. The developers at Lienzo have created this lush game world inspired by the Tarahumara's wondrous Sierra and its inhabitants. Famous for their running skills, they were once known as skilled warriors, and so you must live up to your ancestry by battling mythical creatures, solving puzzles, and undergoing magical transformations. How can you have the battle of the gods mythical creatures? Surely if that's the, the, the clues in the mythical, not real. And functionality, early next year. But there's only one problem with adventure games, a distinct lack of elephants. But never fear, Yono is here, and he's basically a one mammal army. He okay. can run, open chests with his trunk, headbutt bad guys, spray water, blow flames, push blocks, throw explosives, hustle chickens, you know, hero stuff. But it's just so cute when he does it. Elephants never forget, and you shouldn't either. This game launches on Nintendo Switch October 12th as a console exclusive. I'm not sure Into about Creates that. has already released some amazing content on Nintendo Switch, including Blaster Master Zero and Mighty Gunvolt Burst. It's safe to say they kind of know what they're doing. And that's why I'm thrilled to show you their next big thing, Dragon Marked for Death. It's a side-scrolling action RPG that you can play alone or with up to three friends via local or online play. No matter what, you'll forge a pact with a dragon to gain new strength. 
Protect the party as a warrior. Become the empress of attack power. Fool your foes as a shinobi trickster, or use the witch's magic to heal and attack. With 30 enormous quests, you'll have hours and hours of action to fight through. When the game launches exclusively Looks on Nintendo right. Switch this winter. Fantasy fans have endless appetites, and apparently not just fantasy. Orcs, elves, and humans have one thing in common, a need to feed. And that means they need to hunt for ingredients. Of course, I'm talking about Battle Chef Brigade from Trinket Studios and Adult Swim Games. It's one part combo-based action game, one part match-three puzzler, and an all-around feast for fans of 2D animation. Discover each character's personality and cooking style as you play through their campaigns or challenge the leaderboards when the game launches first on Nintendo Switch this holiday. That looks weird, but it looks Our right. team is constantly looking for popular genres that may be missing from our catalog, and that's why we're pumped to introduce you to a brand new shooter for Nintendo Switch that's unlike anything you've ever seen. I don't get all these team deathmatch games. I just want one be you know, every man for himself. I have no idea what the hell. Morphe's Law is sure to cause mass hysteria when it launches first on Nintendo Switch as a console exclusive. I, I don't know. I, I really don't know. Have you ever wanted to play a physics sports game about adorable floppy-necked animals competing on a reality TV show? No. I know this guy has. <laughs> well, look no further as Sausage Sports Club features multiple game modes, arenas, and playable characters, which should provide the fuel needed for up to eight players to roast each other. You can even control your silly animal's flopping head with Joy-Con motion control. Check it out when it launches first. What the on hell is going on? In Light Fingers, one to four players manipulate a magical clockwork board in this turn-based multiplayer game featuring real-time challenges, devious opportunities for misdirection, and of course, lots of loot. With procedurally generated boards, you'll never fight the same battle twice, and support for tabletop mode makes it the perfect portable board game for you and your friends. Play nice, or not, when Lightfingers launches first on Nintendo Switch early No time. idea. We've all heard of beat-em-up games, but yeah. what about a blast-em-up game? This is Nine Parchments. A local and online co-op game for up to four players about wannabe wizards on a fast track to almighty power. As you battle strange creatures and mighty bosses, you'll wield an ever-changing arsenal of spells, unlock new characters, level them up, and earn new hats and staves. The breathtaking world of the Trine series is yours to protect when the game launches on Nintendo Switch this holiday. Mm, that could be alright. 
All right, folks. We have one more game to review. Mama, I'm really glad that we saved it to the end because we would have melted your faces off. It's my I honor think so. to introduce the latest game from the punk rock styling of Suda 51 and Grasshopper Manufacture. That's the Never Hero sequel. Never guess. Maybe. Travis Does go outwards, but semantics. Take one more step, and you're dead. It's too late. Now you screwed, old man. You wanna play? Let's play. Bring it, nerd. Hey, you're dead. Wait a long time. There's a new generation of humans out there. Let me at least introduce myself. Grab it, gotcha. You murdered my dog. Don't pretend you've forgotten. Now you're just gonna confuse people. They need to know about the most hardcore assassin in video games. You bastard! We're trying to bug up the gamers. Your fight is here in the real world. It's actually, I like the art style of graphics. True, I'd love to see what the actual game looks like. As you can see, the indie influence is alive and well. In No More Heroes, Travis Strikes Again. Yeah. Combining the eclectic style of Grasshopper Manufacture and a number of collaborations with prominent indie developers. Seven years have passed since the events of No More Heroes, and the Bat is here to exact his revenge on Travis for the murder of his daughter, Bad Girl. Just as the battle begins, the two men are inhaled by a phantom game console, the Death Drive Mark II. The only way out? Beat all six games and their respective bosses. Travis Touchdown will have his hands full when the game launches exclusively on Nintendo Switch next year, so stay tuned for more updates. Thanks to all the amazing independent publishers and developers for their support of Nintendo Switch. And thank you, the fans, for your help in making our platform the definitive home for quality indie content. Take care, and see you again soon. Well, what do I say? What do I say? What do I say? That was a tiny weeny bit under underwhelming a little bit there was maybe three games there which I thought looked interesting and that is it nothing that I would get excited about there but I don't know I really don't know so that was the Nintendo Switch Nindies Showcase Summer 2017 don't know why it was called the summer sort of showcase because it's basically practically autumn coming into winter now but anyway so that's been me David from One Up Gaming please stick around like the videos look at some other videos 
I don't know what you say. Check our podcast, One Up Gaming. You can find us. And yeah, thank you. Goodbye. Hey guys, Justin here. I just wanted to say that I've been thinking about you. I've been thinking about you a lot. Yes, you in particular, in that way. And I wanted to say, I think you're great. I've always said that about you. And I was wondering, if you think we're great, if you could give us a quick rating on iTunes, we'd really appreciate it. It would really, really help us out in that, you know, podcasty sort of way. And if you're feeling particularly festive, perhaps even a little saucy, maybe stop by our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash O-U-G and see if you can't slip a few bucks our way. After all, every little penny or whatever space money they use in Europe helps out the show. Thanks for listening. O-U-G Gaming will always be free, but with your support, we can always move forward and always be better.